Which really, anytime you can get some heretics thrown out, it's a good day. Signature back. Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that brings together a love for good beer and Bible discussion. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. In the words of the reformer Martin Luther, whoever drinks beer, he is quick to sleep. Whoever sleeps long does not sin. Whoever does not sin enters heaven. Thus let us drink beer. So let's join our hosts Rick and Patrick for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 22 of the Beers and Bible Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Patrick, and I am your other host, Rick, and we're happy to be here tonight. Yes, we're happy. Um, just to give our listeners a heads up, getting this ready was kind of a nightmare. <laughs> kind of a nightmare. I came home and my internet, I came home and my internet wasn't working. Rick's internet's been flaky. It's it's been a thing. So if it sounds funky, we apologize. We're gonna go ahead and apologize on the front end. Um, we're just apologizing now. Yeah. So, but uh, tonight we're gonna get into um, some interesting topics in in concise theology. We're gonna talk about the incarnation of Christ. Heck yeah. We're gonna talk about the two natures of Jesus, the hypostatic union. Hypostatic, one of my favorite <laughs> words in all of theology. But uh, first, as we do always, and as our name indicates, we're going to discuss beer. And tonight, from a new brewery to the Beers and Bible podcast, we have uh, the Dead Guy Ale from Rogue Ales in Newport, Oregon. So that is... The West Coast. Yeah, this is... We're we're expanding our our reach a little bit here. So... (laughs) um, the can is really simple, just like a matte black with like a silver skeleton looking thing holding the beer mug. What kind of hat is he wearing? Is that like a, looks like a looks like a Pope hat. So I'm about to say it looks like a Pope hat. <laughs> That's kind of cool. The Pope is dead. These guys are obviously Protestants. <laughs> I mean, you ain't wrong. So uh, it's like ABV of six point eight percent, forty IBUs according to the website. One of us couldn't pull up the website there, Rick. <laughs> so, I'm having I'm to go just on what, what the can has. <laughs> I'm just trying to help you out, man. Just trying to help you out, that's all. I appreciate it. So, um, so yeah, Dead Guy Ale, according to the can, is a Maybach-style ale with a robust malt profile and a sweetness that is balanced by the liberal use of bittering hops. So, this, this is one that has 40 IBUs. This is one of them liberal beers. Liberal, It's liberal bitter beer. I wonder if they I wonder if they fill it with conservative tears. Maybe so. <laughs> so I like looking at things. I'm weird. I like knowing when my products were canned or produced or whatever. Canned on four twenty two. Four twenty two twenty nineteen. At nine twenty nine fifty one. Ha mine's older by one second. Oh, is yours fifty? Yep. Oh man. That's a that's an early morning brew right there. And, unless that's PM. 
No, oh, oh, yeah, I think it would be. Oh, yeah, 9, 29 is a.m. That's so military eight, time. 24. 24 hour clock yeah. there. Of course, it is in Oregon, so this is really like 12.29 here. Or in the West Coast, yeah. so. Might have just given away that we're on the West Coast, but. <laughs> you mean the East Coast? <laughs> yeah, East Coast. Whichever coast. I don't know where we are. <laughs> are we in America? <laughs> that, yes. I know that much. <laughs> we, we do know that much. So, Dude, let's crack this thing open before yeah. it gets warm. Yeah, I'm excited. Here we go. So, on the count of three. One, two, three. Ooh. That's kind of like a fruity smell. It does. That's. This could be. This could be interesting. I want. I want to see what color this thing is because it's in a black can, so you can't see anything. Ooh, yeah, it's my favorite color. It's a nice amber color. Dude, I think I finally got mine like cold enough. Uh huh. Um, just the way it's pouring out. Just, I'm very, very excited about this. It's got like a fruit looking. It's got a little, like, a red fruit tint to it, almost. Yeah, it does. I, I think I, I think you're going to like this one a lot. I think I am, I think I am too. I may have found me a new West Coast brewery. That smells really nice. It smells it, like, uh... It smells like, um... This is going to sound gross, probably. It smells like amazing is what it smells like. It smells like dried fruit, like dried strawberries <laughs> or something like that. You know, Ooh, like... I, I love that smell. You know those, those uh, cereals? Yeah, cereals that have like the dried fruit in it, and it's I've always kind of steered clear of those because if I'm going to get fruit for my cereal, I'll just get fresh fruit. Yes, of course I also like eat like any normal person would. But I also eat like Lucky Charms and Honey Nut Cheerios, so I'm not putting I'm putting, I'm not putting fruit in my cereal. But um, this has got this has got that dried fruit, like dried fruit and oatmeal kind of smell. Yeah, it does. Looks good. Nice color. I'm I'm excited. Dude, let's turn this thing up and see what it see what happens. Yeah. So here we go. Cheers, Clank. Dead Guy Ale from Rogue Ales. Here we go. Okay. All right. So you want me to go first, or you want to go first? Um. Why don't you go first? Because I'm still right. I'm gonna process for a second more. Well, okay. So my very first reaction, because this is what, like, I I was not expecting that flavor. Because even on the website it says it does not have a nutty flavor, but to me it has a nutty flavor. Like to me, it almost tastes like the Southern Pecan all the way back from episode one. Okay. It's got it's I don't I don't know if it's I don't know if that's the malt. If it is, that's that malt flavor. That I'm just I'm calling it a, a nut flavor. Uh huh. But I mean I can taste it's a little bit more fruity than the Southern Pecan. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit it's a little bit more bitter than I was uh, than I thought it was gonna be. Because yeah. I you know I'm going straight off the IBUs at forty and I'm thinking oh, I'm gonna like this. Um, but with all that said, this is a really good beer. I like yeah. I really like this. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm gonna uh, let me give my synopsis before you give your rating. Okay. Um, I'm gonna agree with you on the nutty. It's 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 a pretty nutty flavor. Um, I would. I'm trying to remember back to Southern Pecan. I would agree, I would agree with you that it's very similar in flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, this one goes down really smoothly yeah. for um 
a liberal use of bittering hops beer, <laughs> whatever that means. Yeah, but it, it does have like so. I was expecting the, from the smell, I was expecting a fruit taste. Yes. Excuse me, and it's it's very sweet. Um, this is like this is going to be probably one of the better beers we've had so far. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but I like it. I, the flavor's great. It's the, I mean, everything from can to consumption is, mm. is, is stellar for, for me so far. So, yeah. um, Rick, what, what are you going to, what are you going to rate so, it there? So I'm going to come in because it reminded me of the Southern Pecan. The, my very first inclination was to say four. Mm-hmm. So on a scale of one to five Luthers, I'm gonna come. I'm gonna go ahead and just come in at four. I don't feel like it's quite a four and a half. I mean, it, by the time I'm finished, it may get there. That's mm-hmm. entirely possible because I, because I feel like it's a little bit better than a four two, mm-hmm. but it's not quite a four and a half to me. Yeah. So so I'm gonna I'm gonna start at four, and as we go along through this, I'm gonna see how I feel about it as as I finish this one out. But. But off the top, man, it's it's really good. It's consistent. It's um, the the flavor is really good. the The smoothness of it is really good. It's not too bitter. I think it's a little bit more bitter than, than what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not too bitter. And so, so yeah, I'm gonna come in at four Luthers. All right. So had to get another swig. Um, I'm gonna disagree with you on the four. Yep. Um, You're probably going five, aren't you? Yeah, I'm, I think this is going to get a five for me. <laughs> um, and, here, and here's the reason why. It's um, it's not terribly different, so it's not like No Crust was like, uh, yeah. it's like, that's the only one of those. Like, I imagine that there are a lot of beers that have similar flavor profiles, similar color, similar texture, um, and we just haven't found them yet. But... To me, this one's the perfect bitter for me personally. And again, I like a little more bitter beers than you do. Yeah. Um, I, I think the flavor is great. Um, it's a really easy to drink beer. Like, I've never done this with any beer ever, but I could maybe shotgun this. <laughs> again, as we've covered in past like, episodes, I don't want to hurt myself. Jamming. I don't want to hurt myself or spill beer. So I'm going to withhold from doing that. It's also a yeah. little irresponsible to just try to drink a beer in like three gulps. True. But but for, I mean, this is gonna, this is getting five out of five Luthers for yeah. me. And, and I, can, I can see you giving it five. Yeah. And I really can. Um, I'm going to be honest, when I, when I got it at the store last night, I was not really optimistic because it's, you know, it's, it's kind of a bland looking can. It's under the radar. Yeah. Um. On the, under the radars, man. On the surface, there's like, if if you just look at this can on the shelf, you'd be like, I'm probably never going to touch that beer. Yeah. <laughs> you think it's death in a can is what if, you think. If you don't have a podcast where you're drinking a beer to review that you've never had before. You're not buying this beer. You're probably not buying this beer unless you <laughs> listen to two bozos tell you to go buy this beer. Appreciate but um, but look, hey, what, what be those bozos for you? Yeah, and we, we certainly will. So, I'm gonna I'm going to give it five Luthers. I think it's I think it's worth a shot. 
And yeah. even even at even at Ford Luthers, I would imagine you would also say it's worth giving it a try. Oh, absolutely. I would yeah, you should absolutely give it I mean, I would go back to the store and buy it. It's it's good enough that I would drink it. Yeah. Um and, and if I saw it and I was like, Man, I just want something different, I want something that's not normal. I mm-hmm. you know, and I saw it and be like, I'm gonna go for that. I've had that before and it was good. Yeah. So so but yeah. Rogue <laughs> Ales, you have no idea who we are, but you just got. Yeah, we like, have no idea who you are. <laughs> you just got a collective four and a half out of five Luthers from Rick and Patrick on your Dead Guy Ale. Yeah, Dead Guy Ale, and I'd be curious to see what other beers they have. I'm not going to deviate from the notes because my <laughs> internet is slow. But um, but yeah, I I thought it was great. Um, in case you were wondering, this this beer's won uh like several kinds of awards. Yeah, they've they've placed in like. Five different. This one has placed in uh, four different competitions. One it placed in twice. That's interesting. Yeah, the World Beverage Competition. Yeah, it was bronze it in 2016. Platinum. Yeah, mm-hmm. in 2018 it got bronze in 2016. Yeah, so that's interesting. Yeah, got the gold in the 2018 New York International Beer Competition. Mm-hmm. So, the, I I think it's 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 definitely giving it a shot. Giving yep. giving it a try. So do it. But there you have it, Dead Guy Ale from Rogue Ales from Rogue Ales in Newport, Oregon. Surprising, uh, Rick and myself, honestly. Yeah, really. I, I d- wasn't didn't really know what to expect. So, but there you have it. And uh, we like surprises. We do. We. You know what the best surprise would be if one of these breweries would send us a case of beer. Yes. Wink, wink. Nod, nod. Nod, nod. Looking at you. Highland Brewing, or, Hot, no, or Funky Buddha. Funky Buddha. <laughs> and now Rogue, the only three breweries that have earned uh, the coveted Five Luther rating from at least, their beers. Mm, or at least one Five Luther rating from from these two guys. So Yeah. Yep. But there, there we go. So, now we're going to dive into Concise Theology. Welcome back. We are here and we are with Concise Theology. And you want to hear something funny? Yes, I would love to hear something funny. So, so I started uh, I started a new book today, and uh, the next book on my reading list was Knowing God by J.I. Packer. Yeah, and I got all the way through to chapter through chapter five this morning. And you know what chapter five is on? The incarnation of Jesus. The incarnation. <laughs> So what so you're telling me? I read a whole lot of Packer on the incarnation. Today. I was going to say. So what you're telling me is all Packer does is just recycles stuff he's already written about in his concise theology book to extrapolate. You know, it's it? it's really not like there's there's not a lot of overlap between these two books. Oh, well. um, because uh, okay. So the point of concise theology is to make theological like a borderline systematic theology, and the point of knowing God is to talk about um, man's relationship between God and man. And how we are to to learn a more about God and how we are to know God. So, you could say that like knowing God is probably the preface to um, concise theology. Even though I think knowing God is actually longer than concise theology. <laughs> I think knowing God is on my list of books to read as well. But yeah, one one uh, long study at a time. Yeah, 
Yeah, I made it through. So I read through about 50 pages this morning, and I have more highlights and underlines. And I'm probably going to go back and read this book again because I missed half of the, the stuff that I was going to highlight. In the morning. But anyway, I thought it was funny that I ended on the incarnation this morning, and then we're talking about the incarnation tonight. And here we are talking incarnation again. So, <laughs> so when when uh, Packer opens up the incarnation, he he points to the verse that the most theologians are going to point to. He points to John one fourteen, mm-hmm. uh, where he says, "And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us." Um. And and he's and he's absolutely right. The that that is that whole little the prologue of John there is one of the the key texts in the New Testament that point to the divinity of Christ. The whole point of John uh, making that that statement and that opening prologue is to point to the divinity of Christ. And then after he gets done pointing to the divinity of Christ, or not really done, it's what the whole gospel is about, but. Um, when he kind of finishes that opening, he, he then turns the whole thing on his head and he says, and this person who is divine, this word, this logos, who is divine became flesh. And, and it's like, it's, uh, you know, I always, uh, I just picture John walking into, you know, whatever room he's writing this in and being like, and the word became flesh, mic drop. Yeah. And he's, and he's just done. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was, I, I, that was sorry. I was done with that. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to continue. So, no. um, but yeah, but the but the whole the whole idea of the incarnation is that God sent His Son to save us, um, yes. and, and and Packer goes into this thing, and, I'm, and you know we're going to go back and forth between something we've already talked about in in our podcast, um, but he he points out that the the idea of the Trinity and the idea of the incarnation of Jesus kind of go together, and they're not separate events or separate um, ideas in so much that they're independent of each other um, but they kind of back each other up as far as uh, what they're saying and what they confirm about each other um, yes. the the doctrine of the Trinity just declares that the man uh, the man Jesus the the son of a carpenter who was born in, or from Galilee, Mm-hmm. He's truly born divine. in Bethlehem. Born in Bethlehem, grew up. I, sorry, it all runs together. Um, <laughs> sorry, he's also he's, from Nazareth. <laughs> yeah, he's from he's from all sorts of places. So, um, but but the man Jesus is truly divine, and then the doctrine of the incarnation declares that the truly divine, fully divine Jesus is also truly. And fully human, which yes. is which is the I, which is the um, the word is hypostatic union of Jesus and man. Yep. Shailene has a great song about the hypostatic union. I need to listen. I still haven't listened to him. I have um, actually been I'm, listening to Post Malone instead. So. Sinner. I know. I'm, Post Malone is catchy, but I probably need to stop. Sinner. <laughs> Oh man, but but no, it's um, and we're gonna we're gonna hit on this a little bit later too because the next section in, in Packer's book is the the two natures of of Jesus, which is mm-hmm. I mean that is the hypostatic union. Um, Jesus was one hundred percent man and one hundred percent God. Um, and if you'll remember when we when we did talk about the Trinity, we talked about um how the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Spirit, and the Spirit is not the Father, but at the same time all three of them are co equal in majesty, co equal in glory, 
um, and they are the they are God. So they're all one hundred percent God. It's not like you know one of them's thirty three percent, and or you know one of them's fifty, and the other two have to share twenty five percent. Um, it's not like they own a business together. It's they're right. all one hundred percent owners. Um, or, or they're all one hundred percent God, and they're all one hundred percent the Father and the Holy Spirit and and Jesus, uh, the incarnate. So, so a lot of this uh, this this idea of of Jesus was really kind of put to put to the test at the beginning of church history. Mm-hmm. Um, and Packer Packer kind of dives into some of this when he talks about the the different. Um, councils that were formed, and and really you have you have the the very first major controversy around the person of Jesus Christ, other than his uh, you know uh, crucifixion and resurrection. I guess you could call that a controversy. I, I, mean, I don't think it was really a uh, it, it was what was intended to happen by God, but but uh, but the first kind of when when the church is trying to to nail down what they believe about the person of Jesus Christ, you really get down to the very first council is the Council of Nicaea, mm-hmm. and um, the Council of Nicaea was sprung up because of this guy Arius, um, who who said that Jesus was not fully uh, God. He was right. he was kind of and and the the word that I think I want to say it was Thomas Aquinas that later kind of coined the word, but. And I've used it before. It's this this idea is called the tertium quid, um, which just means third person or third mm-hmm. idea. Or um, and and what he's getting at is that Jesus is not human in the same way that we're human, but he's not God in the same way that God that God is God. He's this in between, almost like an angel, maybe a little bit higher than an angel, um, but, uh, and, or kind of like a phantom or. Yes, so, so a little different, like not quite God, but not an angel, but not quite man. Yes, he's like this one. He's like this one thing. You know, he's just he's this one off. You know, he's this anomaly. Um, and and so Arius came into this this thing and and started started spouting all of this, and people started taking. They're like, yeah, yeah, he's right. He's exactly right. And then and then you know you end up in three twenty five with the Council of Nicaea coming out with the Nicene Creed that fully affirmed um, the divinity of Jesus and fully affirmed that Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. Um, and, and that this is not, this division is not two gods. This is not, you know, he's not two different people, mm-hmm. um, but he has two complete natures within him. Right. Um, and there is a distinction between Jesus, the human and Jesus, the God, but that distinction we can't see. It's not a distinction that we know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so we just have to, it's, it's, it's really, I mean, you take it on faith. You really do. You take it on faith that, that Jesus is this, this hypostatic union of deity and, uh, humanity. Right. Um, and, and that that's what it took to pay the penalty for our sins. Yeah. If, if, and something I think we will talk about it here in a little bit, but if Jesus had been any less than God, then his sacrifice would not have been sufficient. Yes, to 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 take the penalty for our sin, he would have just been a man on a cross. The fact that he was fully God and fully man, he died a man's death. But because he was also fully God, he his sacrifice is sufficient. Yeah, and and there's an I don't I don't remember reading it in in Packer, but there's another group called the Docetists um, that believe that Jesus was not fully man, that he was just, you know, he just appeared as a man and, mm-hmm. and he was this, you know, vision kind of thing. 
Um, it's very, it's a very Gnostic type of belief. Yeah. Um, because, you know, Gnostics believe that, that the material world is, is evil. Everything in the material world is evil. So God cannot take on a material form, uh, or he would become evil. And, and, and so the Gnostics and, and really the Docetists too would say that, um, that Jesus was not fully divine or he was not fully human he was just this this divine being that appeared in human form and had human attributes but but he was not actually a human and the reality there is if jesus is not fully human then he cannot pay the penalty right for for mankind's sin because a man didn't die for you know that's and that's the thing is god has to die for the sins of the world and also man has to die for the sins of the world that's why it has to be jesus Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because he's the only one who's fully God and fully man. Yeah. So, so, uh, but uh, you, you keep moving along, and you end up in in this another council down the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, this the the Arian controversy goes on from from about three eighteen to almost four hundred. It's like three eighty one. Um, then it kind of dies down a little bit, and and then in uh, in the middle of the fifth century. Tell us about the Council of Chalcedon. Okay, so yeah, in um, it's around 450 <laughs> AD. Um, the Council of uh, Chalcedon gets together, and they they challenged two, really two ideas that were prevalent in the day. Um, they challenged the Nestorian idea that Jesus was two distinct personalities um, embodied in one form. I guess yes. uh, Jesus was fully. They they recognized Jesus as fully God. But also separately, also a man. So yes. they, they were. It's like they were separating the two. That my, I guess my understanding. I could be totally wrong on this, but that sometimes he was fully God, and other times he was fully man. Um, yes. So I, I'm not in, really sure in, how that works. But in Nestorianism, you have you have this idea. Um, it really centered around Nestorius's problem with Mary giving birth to Jesus. Um, because he did not want to call Mary, the, it was called Theotokos, mm-hmm. uh, which is the mother of God. Um, and so he, because he didn't want to, because he wanted to protect the, the divinity of Christ, he kind of, in some ways downplayed his humanity or, or made it so that it was something just a little bit different. And, and that's the, that's the problem with heresy mm-hmm. is, is a lot of times heresy is not born out of, well, I just want to defy the Bible. But it's, you know, you, you kind of pick up on one attribute of the Bible, you pick up on one saying of the Bible and say, well, this is what I have to protect at all costs. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's really, I mean, that's how you get uh, prosperity gospel people who, who say, who pick up verses like Jeremiah twenty nine eleven mm-hmm. out of context and say, you know, oh, you know, we have to protect the idea that God is for us and he wants to prosper us and all this. Right. And, and so they build their theology around it. That's what, that's really what Nestorius did. And, and uh, I, I'm, I'm here to say that, yes, Nestorius was a heretic, but I think he was at least a well-intentioned heretic. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, and I, I think, I mean, especially in the early day of the church, I don't think there's much of an excuse for it now in 2019, almost 2020. But in the early days of the church, you know, he didn't necessarily know that he was being a heretic. Yeah, and and that's what, I mean, that's why they called the Council of Chalcedon, was to to basically shut him and this other guy, Eutychius, down. Yeah, yeah, so Eutychius gets, gets in and that he says that Jesus' divinity was swallowed up in his humanity. 
Yes. So in, in this, in the Council of Chalcedon or Chalcedon or however you say it, um, <laughs> they kind of they kind of address both of the, the both the Nestorian and the Eutychian ideas mm-hmm. that had been kind of getting thrown around. Yeah. Um, and, and they the council gets together and rejects both of them, determines that Jesus is one divine human person in two natures. Yes. They so they clarified really they clarified the the original Nicene Creed. Mm-hmm. So the Nicene Creed never specifically said that Jesus was, you know, one person in two natures. Um but but the the Council of Chalcedon really just kind of built on Nicaea and said, we affirm all of Nicaea, and we also want to clarify that Jesus is two natures. He is 100% man and 100% God yeah. all at the same time. Yeah, the, the, the two natures aren't mixed. They're not confused, separated, or divided. And then also, like, all qualities and powers that are in us as as humans, and then also all the qualities and powers that are in God were present in the person of Jesus at all times. Yeah, and this is so. This is where it, it, this is where I picked up something that that was a little bit of overlap, and I wanted to read from J.I. Packer's "Knowing God." Um, is is in this chapter on on the the incarnation? He writes this sentence. It says, "He was not now God minus some elements of his deity, but God plus all that he had made his own by taking manhood to himself." Um, and, and the sentence, I mean, the sentence reads a little tough, but if you read it multiple times, it is, is what you're saying is, is Jesus, the person of Jesus is not, you know, condescending down to human form, giving up deity. And, and, and where, where they argue this from, this is what's called the kenosis argument. And this is where Nestorius got it from. Um, the Philippians two passage where it says that, that God, uh, you know, humbled himself and, and taking on the form of man. Uh, or in some people translate that he emptied himself. And so what they, what they, what they interpret that as is that God gave up his divinity in order to take on manhood. So he wasn't 100% God, but the, the, the ontological problem with that is, well, now you don't have a second person of the Trinity. Right, and also, if Jesus gives up his divinity, then he's just a man dying on a cross. He's just a man dying on a cross. He's not God. Right. And so, so that's that's really what Packer hits at when he says this, and I'll read it again. It says, he was not now God minus some elements of his deity. So he didn't give up any of his deity, but he was God plus all that he had made, which is, goes back to John 1, 3, and all things were made through him, uh, his own by taking manhood to himself. So... He takes on the form of man. So you 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 take John one three, and all things were made through him, and and with and through him was not anything made that was made. And then you pair that with John one fourteen, and the Word became flesh. Mm-hmm. So it's it's there's no there's no giving up of deity. There's there's really just the the taking on of flesh, and and that's what that's really what uh, the Philippians passage is about. It's not about Jesus giving up his deity. But it's about him humbling himself to the point where he takes on flesh, right? You know, and and mm-hmm. so you you could call that you could call that a holy condescension. Um, I really like the term humility, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and I think it really kind of, I mean, Jesus being the ultimate example. But think about like the nine writers of the New Testament. Eight of them were Jews, so. 
they they're Jewish. They're raised in the Jewish tradition mm-hmm. that there is only one God, and that no man could possibly be divine. Yes, that, that no man could possibly be equal to God, and the fact that it, any Jews would believe that Jesus is the, is is incarnate divine, um, however you want to put it, mm-hmm. like the fact that any Jews would believe that is nothing short of amazing yeah. based, based on the tradition that they had been brought up with. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you look at, look at Paul, um, who, who was Saul mm-hmm. and he was a persecutor of Jews or he was a persecutor of Christians. He was a Jew. He was the Jew of Jews and he was a persecutor of Christians. He killed Christians. Yeah. You know, until he, until he was blinded on the Damascus road. Yeah. Um, and so, so that, I mean, that was, that was what the majority of your Jewish scholars believed is, is that no, that, that when this Messiah comes, he's not going to come in the form of a human or a baby or something that has to be, you know, nursed and raised and cared for and taught how to talk, you know, taught how to speak. They thought that it was going to be this miraculous cloud breaking, you know, uh, dissension from heaven and and he appears on the scene and goes i am messiah here to rule the world you know that's that's really what they were expecting um and jesus constantly points out through all of the gospels i'm not here to give you what you expect i'm here to do the will of my father Mm -hmm. and 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 he really uh john the gospel of john really hammers that home Mm -hmm. you know um you know he goes on and on about you know i am one with the father and i'm here to do the will of my father and and i'm here to to get those whom my father has has chosen for himself um and and so you end up with this story of a of of a man uh from palestine who who really defies all expectations of everyone and the people who end up seeing him for, for who he is as the Messiah ends really ends up being Gentiles. Um, and so, so that's, that's really kind of where, where the incarnation puts us is, is that we, we are forced. And that's where the gospel of John puts us a lot of times is we're forced constantly with this question of what will you do with the person of Jesus? What will you Mm -hmm. do with his, with his testimony, what will you do with these gospels that are written about him? What will you do with his resurrection? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, how are you? How are you going to say that he's not the Messiah? Because he yeah. claimed to be the Messiah. He died like the Messiah. Um, he rose again like the Messiah. Uh, he did all of the things that the Messiah was supposed to do. So, you really, I mean, you're really at a point where you have to ask yourself: Am I going to reject this or not? Yeah. And, you know. and and something that those New Testament writers insist on, you know, something to, you know, what to do with the person of Jesus, they insist that he has to be worshipped and he has to be trusted. Um, and, and, and that just points back to the fact that Jesus is God no less than he is man. Yes. But he is, he is yeah. as much God as he is man. And yeah. The existence of Jesus as a as a man is pretty widely believed outside of Christianity. Even yeah, I mean there, there's there's hardly any. I mean and and one of one of the leading 
New Testament critics as a guy named Bart Ehrman, and even he says that that these people who are saying that Jesus was not a historical person need need to be quiet because they're just they're running their mouths about things that they don't know know anything mm-hmm. about. Yeah, you know this this is a guy who's who's very very critical about the New Testament, right? Um, and, and even he says no, Jesus existed in in history, and and Jesus did rise from the dead. <laughs> You know, uh, now he 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 goes on to to give some some wild things in in other books, but mm-hmm. we're not here to talk about that. But, yeah. but just know that I mean, a leading critic of the New Testament says you people need to stop denying that Jesus didn't exist in history because he did. There's right. too much evidence to say that he didn't. And and so so when we when we talk about Jesus though when we talk about the incarnation we really divide it up into his two natures and this is the second thing and we we've, we've kind of hit on this a little bit but but the fact that Jesus was 100% God and 100% man yeah. let, let's crack that open a little bit so yeah. so talk about how how do we know that Jesus is 100% man what well, you know where can we turn in scripture to do that to see that well, you know? so so the so uh well I'm kind of cheating. Packer wrote it out pretty easily. Uh, um, <laughs> so Second John seven pretty clearly, did, you know, just says that you know Jesus fully God, fully man. But but it yeah. says, I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. So, yeah. um, pretty cut and dry. Yeah. Th- thanks for that, John. Thanks for making um, it easy for us. But yeah, one of the, one of the other passages that I would turn to is is the beginning of Luke. I mean, mm-hmm. you have you have Luke stating clearly that Jesus grew in stature. Um, yeah. You know, uh, if 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 you want to say that that God came down in human form, you know, why did He come down as a baby that had to grow? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You know, if He just if He just appeared as this like. Um, you know, he could have wan- he could have wandered out of the woods with John. Yeah, <laughs> he he could have been one of the characters on Lost. I mean, others, sorry, <laughs> he, yeah, he or as, others, or Udges, Udges, Udges. Sorry great for that show. old pop culture reference. It I is love, a great I show. Love it. So it is but, a great show. But but yeah, I mean, the point is, why would he choose to be, or why would he be born? If he if he was not taking on full human flesh, every aspect of human flesh. So Jesus cried. Um, Jesus, I don't know what kind of diapers they had back then. I'm sure they didn't have huggies, but but you know, Jesus had to have his diaper changed. Mary and Joseph had to raise Jesus mm-hmm. as a as a human child. Mm-hmm. And so so you know, and and you read these stories about, and really Luke hits a, hits a lot on on the growth and the development of Jesus. Yeah. Um, and Matthew does a little bit. Mark does a little bit. What, what's really interesting is Mark kind of does this thing where he he really hits it really fast, doesn't cover a whole much of the birth and growth thing, but then he gets to this point, and and I think it's maybe like Mark chapter two where he's astonishing all of these people, and it and it actually says in Mark that they worshipped him. Yeah. And it doesn't say that Jesus like stopped them from worshiping him, and so. The, to me, that is a that is a beautiful picture of of seeing his number one his divinity and his humanity at the exact same time. Yeah, and so because if he all right, so if he's if he's man and people are worshiping him and he's allowing it, then he's sinning. 
But if he's God and people are worshiping him, then he's not. Right. Because he's getting the praise that's rightly due to his name. Mm-hmm. But he's still a man. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, that's that. I love that, that passage that, that, that Packer brought out. Um, but I love, I love going back to the Gospels because to me, this just, it's so clear cut and, mm-hmm. and precise about yeah. painting that picture of, of humanity and divinity together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And then, and then think about like how Jesus experienced the same things that we today experience, you know, are the limitations we have as humans, things like mm-hmm. hunger and thirst and being tired or, yeah. um, and then also Things like pain, you know, he he, we, he wept over Lazarus. He, he yeah. Lazarus, he was in agonizing pain in the Garden of Gethsemane over what was about to happen to him. And then um, Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says, is it Hebrews that the writer, we don't know? Yeah. Um, I mean, some people think it's Apollo, some people think it's Paul. I well, mean, anyway, if you think it's Paul, you're right. If you think it's Apollos, you're wrong. Anyway, so the writer of Hebrews... <laughs> That was, that was a little grenade for all the theology nerds out there. <laughs> so, so, but the writer of Hebrews says that if Jesus had not endured the the limitations of man, he wouldn't have been worthy, or he wouldn't have been qualified to help us endure the limitations that we have. Yeah. Yeah. Like, 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 how can we go to some? How can like, if you needed to rebuild the transmission in your truck, why would you come to me? I've never done that in my life. Yeah, don't come to me. Because you'd end up with not a transmission when I was done with yeah. it. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> so in the same way, like Jesus, Jesus was tempted in the same way that we were tempted. Yes. He was also he was just also fully God, so he was able to to not fall into mm-hmm. temptation and, and fall into sin. But that's not to say that it was easy for him at any point. You know, yeah. he he goes and spends forty. He spends forty days in the wilderness. Yeah. And then, and, then Satan. Satan, and then Satan comes along and tempts him and says, look, all you got to do is say this and this, and I'll give not, you food or Not going to lie, if I spent 40 days in the wilderness, I'd be like, whatever you want. Yeah. I don't care. Whatever you want. <laughs> but, but, but I think it's easy to overlook because, like, I, and I'm not saying that, you know, we should overlook the sacrifice and the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus mm-hmm. because we shouldn't. But I also think a lot of believers overlook his humanity. And and think that it's it's okay to minimize his humanness, and I I, well, I just I just don't think that's true. Yeah. Well, we always we so you remember back in the nineties when when they had the WWJD bracelets. Yeah. So you know, and, and and that I understand the the kind of mindset behind that, and and to some degree I do agree with it, but but you know. There were there was people who were like, "Oh, what would Jesus do?" It doesn't matter what would Jesus do. He was perfect, and I'm not. So, and I'm like, "Well, but you're missing you're missing the whole point of that that exercise. The whole yeah. exercise is to say Jesus was 100 percent man. So, I am I am capable of trying to to or striving to live my life like Jesus did. Yeah, which is the whole exercise of that whole WWJ yeah. bracelet thing. But also remember that. Flipping tables and cracking whips within the realm of possibility. <laughs> True just, story. Just saying. Right, righteous anger. So yeah, got to love a little bit of righteous anger. But I mean, Jesus didn't pretend at any point to be hungry or thirsty or tired. Like if he was hungry, he ate. If he was thirsty, yeah. it's like it's like the Forrest Gump thing. When I was hungry, I ate. When I was tired, I slept. When I had to, you know, 
<laughs> I went. I must have drank 15 Dr. Peppers. Yeah, but <laughs> so, I mean, Jesus encountered the, the same limitations we as men, we have today, and he, he you know, he, he endured them and, um, he lived a sinless life. Yeah, he lived he a sinless I mean, life. Yeah. So, you know, he he is the example and and he is 100% God and he is 100% man and do we understand that? No, not necessarily. Do we have to be able to explain it perfectly? Mm. You know, not necessarily. I think I think there's a way that you can say it and you can say, you know, this is even though I don't understand it, I can still affirm a, a statement, but you know, the key is don't be a heretic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's at all it's, costs, at all costs, do not be a heretic. Yeah. Don't be a heretic. There are plenty of here. And, and, you know, I can throw out some examples of modern day Arianism. Um, you know, look at the Jehovah's Witnesses, look at the Mormons, um, and, and look at, look at Muslims for that matter. Um, you know, I would, I would argue that even Muslims are a type of Arianism because they, they agree that Jesus was this great prophet and, 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 great thing, but they don't elevate him to the person of God. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and so there's, there's Nestorians alive today. You know, I've, I've been, I've sat in churches where I've heard pastors say that, you know, Jesus, Jesus did this specific thing. And I'm like, mm, yeah, Jesus didn't use his divinity. And I'm like, yeah, that's Nestorianism. You should probably be careful. You know, also um, don't let lightning strike you from the pulpit right now. <laughs> You know, so the 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 whole the whole concept here is to is to say, hey, know who the person of Jesus is. Mm -hmm. Jesus is one hundred percent God. He is one hundred percent man. Uh, we affirm that biblically. We affirm that through our creeds, through our confessions. Um, and and I love the little the little analogy that's like uh, it's got the Bible at the bottom. It's like this big block, and it has these arrows going up on either side, and and it has these little arrows kind of bouncing in between. And it has creeds and confessions are the two arrows that kind of keep people from going off way off into the, the you know, yonder regions of, of heretical teachings. And and so, you know, learn these historical documents, learn what the, the, the Council of Nicaea taught, learn and study what the, the Council of Chalcedon taught. Um, is it is it going to be boring? Uh, maybe it will, but but, you know, is it is it important enough for you to know what you believe and why you believe yeah. it? Yeah, I think it's important, and and as a history guy, like the learning about the church history kind of stuff, really like is almost one of my love languages. Um, so so you know, learning, you know, I know the doctrine, but I didn't really know where it came from. Yeah. I I didn't know you know how that was decided or how you know what were the events that led up to that. So yeah. you know, digging into the Nicene Creed, digging into the Chalcedonian, uh, yeah, Chalcedonian. Council is it was really uh really eye opening for for mm -hmm. myself and I'm kind of interested to do some more digging <laughs> on some other stuff. So there's so much good stuff in church history. There really yep. is. There's a lot of bad stuff too, but there is some good <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you you learn where we went wrong and where we went right. Um, yep. You know we we've done some stupid things. I'm, I'm I'm not afraid to admit it. We've done some stupid things over the years, but yep. But we've also done a lot of right things, and, yep. and typically a, a stupid thing was followed up with the right thing. So, <laughs> yeah. So, a lot like the Old Testament, we wandered in the desert for a while, and God let us do what we wanted to do, and it wasn't good. 
And then we no. got right. And then we That's right. Anyway, so anyway. All right, so there we go. Yeah. There's the incarnation and the dual nature of Christ. And um, I think I'm still going to stick on, on this uh, dead guy ale. I, th- I think I'm going to stick it for losers. I did really like it. Um, but I'm just, I'm just not to a four and a half. I, I know why you're at a five because it is good. And, and I can see that. Yeah. And, and to me again, I'm going to rank, I'm, I like the bitter stuff a little more. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm probably going to rank it a little higher than, than you will, which is fine. It, it, it's, you know, personally, it's personally a five for me. It's personally a four for you. That's right. That's okay. We can agree to disagree. We won't That's hold right. a council on it. <laughs> <laughs> there, there will be no councils to determine who is correct. No. Uh, because it doesn't matter. Uh, but anyway, have a good week. Uh, enjoy wait, yourselves wait, wait, as we get wait, close. Wait, oh, wait. We have to... A little bit of news. Yeah, we have to do some stuff. So, at the end of every episode, we tell you to make sure you follow us on Instagram, at Beers and Bible underscore. And um, at Twitter. At, on Twitter, at Beers and Bible P1. You mm-hmm. can email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. Also, this Ooh. week we have a brand new uh, a thing. We can you can follow us on the social media. Book faces. You can go to Facebook. Oh, Facebook! Believe it or not, book faces. You can go to Facebook and um, follow us there at um, Beers and Bible Podcast. Um, look for our logo there. We've been kind of hesitant to start anything on that because because the way Facebook works, you have to link a personal account. But we figured out a way to 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 work around that. Don't tell Facebook. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> it it doesn't matter. So I mean, it's still linked. But Find you, us on you, the Facebook. You can't see who we are. So um, but yeah, we are on Facebook. We'll uh, we'll start linking stuff to there as well. So we've had some people say, "Wish you were on Facebook," and. Um, now so we are. Go. Now we are. Wish so, granted. There you go. So um, until next week, y'all have a good week. Uh, between now and the release of our next episode, it will Christmas will pass. So Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you. And uh, sorry. And um, we look forward to, to being with you guys again next week. And until then, peace out. Later. You enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible. Please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Works for me. All right. Don't, but don't do that. Don't do what? Whatever, whatever it is you're about to do. Okay. I won't do that.